Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. This morning, entitled, Remaining Steadfast. Remain steadfast. Remain steadfast. Tell your neighbor, remain steadfast. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come, not only in this room, but in the room of every person that's watching with us today, that God, your presence and your glory would just begin to invade, that Lord, we would hear from heaven today, that the power of your word would come alive and bring forth transformation in our lives, that Lord, healing would flow today, that salvation would flow today, that freedom would come today, that Lord, you would restore hope, that you would renew joy, that you would renew strength, that you would comfort those who are grieving, Lord, that you would lift up those who are heavy burdened, that God, you would give peace to those, Lord, who are troubled, that worry would melt in your presence today. God, that our ears would be open to hear your word, that our hearts would be open to receive the word of God that is being planted into our lives, and that, Lord, we will continue to remain steadfast in the calling and the destiny and the purpose of what you have established for our lives. Lord, we give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, it's no secret that the enemy does everything that he possibly can to steal, kill, and destroy. I, I share that in my favorite verse from John 10.10, 10, probably every service that you're a part of and every service that you hear me preach, I share that verse. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And I, I believe that it sums up the importance of what Jesus came to establish in fulfilling the promise that God made in the very beginning in Genesis and the promise that he's continuing to fulfill and that he will fulfill as he's revealed in Revelations. But in the process, because everybody knows that life is a process and there's a process in life, in the process of that, of seeing the fulfillment of that promise, it's important for us to remember that we have a purpose and a destiny. You have a purpose and a destiny. You have been, I believe that you are here for such a time as this. I believe that you are not an accident or a mistake, but that God has positioned you on the earth for such a time as this to be a light in the midst of darkness, to bring hope in the midst of hopelessness, to bring forth the open door for the salvation of heaven to come so that the lost are saved, so that the sick are healed, so that the bound are set free, so that the plan of God, that the will of God on 
and the purposes of God, we'd be fulfilled in our day. I believe that we're in the middle of the process, and it's the middle of the process where the enemy does everything that he can to discourage, everything that he can to bring despair, everything that he can to bring defeat, and it's in those moments that we have a choice. We can give in to the lies of the enemy, or we can realize that what is happening and what is taking place is only an attempt of the enemy, but that God has the final word. God's called us to live by faith and not by sight. I shared about it just a couple, just a couple of weeks ago. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the substance of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In our lives, it is easy for us to get caught up in what we can see and what we can hear and what we can feel. But I'm thankful that Jesus made a way for us to not only have our perspective or the perspective of others, but for us to hear from the heart of the Father, to be able to experience His love, in his presence every single day, to be reminded from his word over and over again about what his promises are, what his plans are, what his purposes are for those who hear the voice of God, for those who say yes to the salvation of heaven, to experience the freedom, the hope, the joy, and the privilege of what God has established and what God has said. The enemy wants you and I to settle for what we see. He wants you and I to settle for what we hear. And he wants you and I to give in to the emotion of the moment. <laughs> Emotions are powerful things. Emotions are powerful things because they, they, they clearly identify and they clearly highlight what it is that we're feeling, where it is that we're at, and what it is that we're up against. But those things are things that should drive us to the presence of God for the Lord to bring revelation into our life and perspective that brings transformation and change. Because the reality is, is that no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, and no matter what it seems like, God's plans cannot be changed. He's faithful to His Word and He's faithful to His promise. And if He said He would do it, He'll do it. I've seen it time and time again. I've witnessed it over and over again. And I feel like now more than ever, the enemy is doing whatever he can to get us to respond, especially in the church, emotionally, rather than through the wisdom, the understanding, the truth, and the revelation of what God has said and what his purpose and his plans are. Hell has no power or authority over the kingdom of God. Hell has no power or authority over those who are children of God. God has called you and I, those who have said yes to his love and the salvation of heaven to be a part of his church. And he said clearly, plainly, so that all would see that the kingdom of hell will not overcome, that the kingdom of hell will not prevail. As the church, we must remember that in every season, in every moment, in every situation, in every circumstance, that regardless of what may be happening in the world around us, our mission has not changed. Our orders have not changed. Our instruction remains the same. We have a lost world that's in need of a loving Savior. We have a sick world that's in need of a healing king. We have a world that is filled with hopelessness and despair, that is in desperate need of the one who brings hope, who brings truth, who brings life, who brings freedom, who brings the fulfillment of God's plans and purposes for every person who is born on the face of the earth. Our orders, our mission, the plan of God in our life has not changed. We must remain steadfast. We must remain Determine. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. 
Tell your neighbor, stand firm. Now say it like you mean it this morning. Tell them, stand firm. That's what I'm talking about. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I think sometimes we think that our work in the Lord means that we're serving in a specific ministry position. But friends, I'm here to tell you today, if you're a born-again believer, you're in full-time ministry. If you're a born-again believer, every morning that you wake up, you're in full-time ministry because we have a ministry, a mission that God has given us every single day to be the love of God and to speak the revelation and the truth of His Word that He has come to defeat death, hell, and the grave and that we have victory and life and healing in His name. That we have a promise and inheritance, as the Word says, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That we hold on to a hope... (laughs) unswervingly, standing firm, holding true to what God has said and the revelation of His Word. How do I respond to the chaos in my life? How do I respond in the midst of the valley? How do I respond in the midst of my grief? How do I respond in the midst of my disappointment? How do I respond in the midst of my pain? How do I respond in the midst of my trial? How do I respond in the middle of the test? I remain steadfast because I know who is for me. (laughs) I know who is with me me. I know him one who knows every step that I take and that guides every step and direction that I make. And if I will trust in him, if I will lean into him, I will rest in his love. I will rest in his peace. My joy will be renewed and my hope will be restored because I know the one who's on the throne. I know the one who's in control and I know the one who has the final say. I cannot let these light and momentary troubles rob from me what is achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. (sighs) Tell your neighbor it's just a test. Tell your neighbor it's just a test. In the test and the trial and the storm of my life, God has called me to remain steadfast. God has called me to remain steadfast. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Other translations say remain steadfast. Stand steadfast. Why? Because in our lives, the enemy will do whatever he can to move you and I. To move you and I. I'm convinced that right now the enemy is in an all-out assault on the church to get us to live based on our emotions instead of the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I know that's not popular. But I'm convinced that the enemy is doing everything that he can to get us to respond emotionally to the things that are happening in our lives and the things that are happening around us instead of based on the wisdom and the revelation and the truth of what God has said. Emotions, hear me, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking emotions. Emotions are important. I've, I've said that before and I'll say it again. Emotions are, should be the thing that drive us to the Holy Spirit, that gives us the revelation, that gives us the insight, that gives us the perspective that we need to be able to respond to the situations that are happening. Emotions are oftentimes warning signs for us to let us know that something is out of balance and something is not right. But when we act on those emotions, instead of taking those emotions to the Lord, we rob ourselves of responding on the wisdom that God has called us to. God has called us to respond with wisdom to respond with the truth and the understanding and the revelation of what the Word of God says. How can I remain steadfast when I feel like my life has been thrown in the midst of chaos? How can I remain steadfast? Fear the Lord. Fear 
the Lord. Tell your neighbor, fear the Lord. I'm not talking about walking around in a terrified state. I'm talking about walking around in a state of honor, of awe, of amazement, of reverence for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The fear of the Lord that I'm talking about is the fear that one has for a mother or father who loves them, loves them, and teaches them through discipline, through example, and in life. There's a difference in fearing someone because of the terror that they bring to your life and having a fear of honor for someone who is guiding you, protecting you, providing for you, giving you the things that you need. One of the, be- one of the best examples of that, I, my, my was, I say this all the time, I, I know that I was blessed tremendously with a mother and a father who loved the Lord. They got saved when I was young, and so I had a prime example of what a relationship with God looked like, of what walking with the Lord was about. And the thing that, the thing that I can best illustrate this is, is I had a fear of my father. <laughs> Not because I was terrified that my father would beat me, but because I was terrified that I would disappoint him. I understood that if I broke the rules or the expectations that my father had, that he would be disappointed in me and that there would be consequences. But those consequences were discipline that established boundaries in my life that brought wisdom to me and kept me from making foolish decisions and developing foolish habits and foolish principles that would rob me from the blessings, the protection, and the provision that God intended for my life. There's a, dip, there's a huge difference between that. And I understand it's hard for us to understand the, the depth of a heavenly father. But a he, the heavenly father is just like what my dad was. The heavenly father disciplines and instructs. God, God's not sitting in heaven with a hammer ready to knock you over the head when you do wrong. And for so long, that's been the world's understanding or interpretation of who God is because of how the Lord deals with sin and how the Lord addresses things. But the truth is, is that God, as the heavenly father, he's a good father. <laughs> as we sang about, he's a, he's a good father. He has instructions for us. The word says he disciplines those he loves because he wants the best for what we have in our life. There were consequences, there were expectations, there were directions that my, my, my father had, directions that my mother had. And if I followed those things, I experienced the blessings and the freedoms to be able to do things. If I broke those things, I had to face the consequences of that. The reason for them doing that was not to try to make my life miserable. The reason for doing that was to establish within me a character to establish within me a habit, to establish within my life a pattern of understanding that there are foolish decisions that I can make, but there are consequences. There are wise decisions that I can make, and there are consequences. One brings destruction. The other one brings life. One brings chaos and uncertainty. The other brings blessings and prosperity. The purpose of that discipline was that. And the problem is is that in the emotion, my mom and dad used to make this statement to me when I would get in trouble. My parents spanked me. They believe the word. Spare the rod, you spoil the child. It's wisdom from heaven. They did not beat me. They spanked me. They, they, they understood that there, were un, there, that there were lines that were there, but they taught me that there were consequences for my actions. And in that, it set a foundation that I understood that if I did that again, <laughs> I was going to... And I'll never forget my dad. I hated to get a spanking. I ran. I ran. I absolutely ran. I'm not scared to tell. Haley would stand there and take it like a man. I ran. 
I ran for my life. And my dad would tell me, you've got three seconds, and I'm just going to spank your butt or spank your legs, whatever it was. And he, he, he set that foundation, and he said that there. And I hated that. And he would always make this statement. He would say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I thought, does it? Because I'm pretty sure my backside's the ones that's stinging. I'm not, I, don't think you're, I think your backside's fine. <laughs> I'm going to be the one that's remembering this when I, when I get done. You know, but, but I didn't understood fully what he said until I got older. And there's moments where, especially in leadership, I don't have a child of my own, but being a youth pastor, there were rules and there were things that I had to put and there were consequences and decisions that I had to make to understand that there had to be order and not chaos in the room. Order not chaos when you're on a trip. And if you break these rules, there are consequences. You can't come to the next three youth events. You can't come to the next three Wednesday nights but you, because, you can't, because you can't stop disrupting the service or because you're, because you're taking out you know, your frustration on somebody else. You, know, you can't slap somebody in youth because you're frustrated with them. You wouldn't think you'd have to tell students that, but sometimes you do. You know, so there are consequences for that. And it hurts to tell somebody that you love, that you care about, that you're investing your life into, that they can't be a part of something that you know is beneficial for them. But it, without discipline, there's no line of expectation, there's no growth, and there's no maturity. We cannot have a church, we cannot be believers that are walking around as infants. In a world that is in desperate need of believers who are walking around in the maturity and the understanding and the revelation of what God has said. We have to have those things in our life. We have to have those things in our life. Discipline is essential. So when I talk about the fear of the Lord, that's the kind of fear that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a fear that is in reverence and in awe that understands how much God loves me. That understands how much God wants the best for my life. How much God wants the blessings and the favor of God for my life. A good father hates to discipline. Because he understands the pain and the disappointment and the frustration that he brings, that it brings to his child. And he does not ever want his child to face the pain, the disappointment, or the frustration of the negative consequences. But he understands that if I will address this now in the small things of life, I might be able to prevent this from major things in their life, creating more pain, more frustration, more disappointment in life. So when he talks about the fear of the Lord, Psalms 112 and verse number 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. It's those that understand that when God gives me an instruction not to do something, or God gives me an instruction to do something, it's because he has my best interests at heart. Because he's trying to protect me from what the enemy is trying to use to destroy me. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I can try to do it my way in the way that I think it needs to be done, or I can lean into the men and the women of God, those who have gone before me, that have an understanding, that have been there and done that. (laughs) that understand what it is that, that, that you're up against and what it is that you're dealing with. And, 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 we'll, and if we'll listen and, and humble ourselves, the Word says a couple different times that humility is the, beginning of, is the beginning of honor, that humility is the beginning of wisdom, that if we'll listen to instruction and hear what's being said, that we'll position ourselves for the blessings of God in our life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When I heed to what God has said and I understand that the fear of the Lord is the foundation for my life, I position myself to experience the blessings, the favor, and the protection that God has intended because I experience what God has planned for my life, not what the enemy has planned for my life. How do I remain steadfast? Fear the Lord. How do I fear the Lord? How can I respond? How can I fear the Lord? Number one is this, honor. (laughs) Honor. We've talked about it today already. 1 Samuel 2.30, Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. This was the prophet Samuel that was speaking to the king of Israel at the time, Saul, who had dishonored the Lord and disobeyed the instructions that God had given. And the Lord made this declaration, and it's true time and time again. Those who honor the Lord, those who honor the Lord, will, he will honor. But those who dishonor him will be disdained. What happens when we honor the Lord is that we position ourselves to experience the blessings, the promises, and the truth of what he said. I could test my dad. I knew what buttons to push with my dad. Sometimes I still do. And I'm quickly reminded when his voice changes or a certain look comes over his face that it doesn't matter that I'm almost 30 years old. He is still my father. You know, there is no expiration date on the instruction from the word of the Lord to honor your mother and father. It doesn't expire. The dynamics of your relationship may change, but it doesn't expire. You can still honor them as the word declares you to honor them. And and in doing so, there's a promise that's attached to that. There's a promise in Exodus. If you go back and read the Ten Commandments, you'll see the promise that God attaches with that. Honor is a critical thing. Honor is an important thing. In fact, in Leviticus, there's an instruction, and we've seen this as a respect thing among people, and especially in the South, but you'll see, you'll see younger people often stand up when someone that's older than them enters the room. And, and I, was, I was taught to do that. I, I watched my mother and father. I was taught to do that. And the purpose behind that is not to try to make a statement, and it's not an old-fashioned thing. It's a biblical thing because it's an honor. You stand in their presence and you show honor to them. And what happens in your life when you show honor is you make room for the anointing of God in, in, in powerful and dynamic ways. How do I fear the Lord? I honor the Lord. How do I honor the Lord? Number two, by trusting in him. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number three says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I can remain steadfast because I fear the Lord, because I honor him and I trust in him. Listen, it's hard to trust in anything. More and more in our world, in our culture, in our society today, it is hard to trust. But if there is one that we should trust above all else, it is the Lord. Because He is not, He is not going to fail in fulfilling His word and His promises in our life. We have to trust in what He said. This promise in Isaiah 26 3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Church, now more than ever, it's crucial for us to remain steadfast in what God has said and to understand that God does not change His mind about His plan or His promises. God does not change His mind about fulfilling the promise and the power of His Word. So how do I experience the peace of God in the midst of uncertainty? How do I find the peace of God in the midst of chaos? I realize that I can trust in Him. 
Verse number 7 of Psalms 112 says, They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I'm not remaining steadfast because I think everything in my life is perfect. I'm not remaining steadfast because I've never faced trial or I've never faced disappointment or I've never been discouraged or I'm not discouraged. Now, I remain steadfast because I trust in the Lord. I've come to the place in my life like Paul that to live is Christ but to die is gain. That the only thing left for me to experience on this earth is death and even in that I win. It's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just before verse 58 that I read, the, words, the word declares, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are overcomers and victorious because of what God, because of what God has said. So I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and I experience the perfect peace of God because I trust in Him. And finally, how can, I, how can I fear the Lord remaining steadfast? Obey. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. I'll never forget the message that my mom preached on Mother's Day. I don't even know how old I was. How old were we? 10? 11, she preached, it, she preached it in kids' church on Mother's Day. And she, I remember this, she said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, there were so many times that mom and dad would give me instructions or they would tell me to do something, and it was against what I wanted to do. <laughs> Any child has experienced that at some point or another with some authority figure in your life. But the reality is, is what I was sacrificing, what I was missing out on, was it was far better for me to obey, to honor them, than it was for me to have my way. We live in a society and a culture today where it's about my way, where it's about what I want, where it's about what I have. And the reality is, is that as believers, it's no longer about my life, my way, what I want, but it's about what He wants, what God has intended and what God has purposed for me, because His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. His blessings, I cannot even begin to fully imagine. I can't even fully begin to understand. So if I will trust him and I will honor him and I will obey the instructions that he has given me, I will discover for myself the blessings of God, the favor of God, the provision of God in ways like never before. I can remain steadfast in the valley. I can remain steadfast in the storm because I know that my God is in control. Because I know that no matter what I face and no matter what I'm up against, I will experience the blessings of God. As verse 4 says in Psalms 112, Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast. Trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, when you and I trust in the Lord, when you and I obey the instructions that God has given, when we honor what the Lord has said, we position ourselves to be men and women of God who fear the Lord and who walk in the wisdom and the revelation of what God has instructed. Jesus said it like this. He said, he said to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And if you look at the way that Jesus conducted himself, he was wise as a serpent and he was gentle as a dove. 
The only people that he spoke harshly to were those who claimed to have all understanding and knowledge of him, but yet could not recognize him when he was standing right in front of them. I don't want to be them. Amen? I want to walk in the wisdom and the revelation, the truth of what God has said. So when I look at my life today, and I look at my current situation and circumstance and my current trial, am I remaining steadfast in what God has said, or am I giving in to the fear of what the enemy has put in front of me? I will not fear because I know what God has said. My heart is steadfast and trusting in Him. I trust Him. I believe we trust Him. And I believe that now more than ever, as we continue to remain steadfast in the Lord, we will experience the blessings, the favor, and the provision of heaven. Even in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. No matter where you are today and no matter what you're facing, remain steadfast. Trust in the Lord. Don't be moved by what you're currently going through, what you see or what you face. Know that God is faithful. Fear the Lord and walk in wisdom. Fear the Lord and walk in wisdom. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for us as a church, my prayer for our families, my, my prayer for our community, my prayer for our, our, our state, our nation, for the world, is that we would walk in the wisdom of heaven and that we would experience the blessings of God, but that we would continue to see, above all else, His kingdom come and His will being done.